We turn to Matthew's Gospel this morning, chapter 6. Matthew in chapter 6. And we read from verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Amen. Let's ask the Lord's help as we consider these words. Our Father, we give thanks that we are able to meet together. We pray, Lord, for understanding, even as we read, and that we might hide these things in our hearts, building up as the time goes by, a greater picture of the purposes of God and uh, the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, seeing that those are consistent throughout the whole of the scripture. And Lord, we pray that we might hide uh, these things within our own knowledge that we might have to draw from in time of need or in time of question. Lord, bless us then, we ask thee, continue with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we have here uh, words in verse 25. I'll take that as my text, even though we will consider the whole of this passage to the end this morning. Uh, in verse 25, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall put on. Now, there are a number of therefores here and a wherefore as well. Uh, so we have here in this verse, Therefore take no thought for the morrow. Uh, we also have in verse 34, uh, uh, take, take no thought 
Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. And also in verse 31, take therefore no thought, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? And uh, there's one other, which there is in verse 25, of course. Uh, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Take no thought. So we want to consider that, the anxiety which is spoken of here. Uh, but we want to begin with uh, the idea of the argument which the Lord Jesus is bringing. Because this is a continuation. That therefore tells us, tells us that it's a continuation of those things that he has already spoken. And there is a dichotomy. There is a, a two parts here. There is the, the earth and the flesh. And there is the heaven and the spirit. So we are considering these two things as being separate one from another, over against one another, contrasting one with another. And the Lord Jesus is speaking of those things which are spiritual as being so far, so much more important than the things of the earth. Uh, remember what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8 uh, when he says that I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Paul had understood and Paul sought to uh, seek first the kingdom of God over all of the troubles which he experienced in his life. And they were many. If you read uh, 2 Corinthians, you'll come across them there. Uh, and uh, he tells of all the difficulties that he went through for the kingdom's sake well what difficulties do we go through for the kingdom's sake not necessarily in the preaching of the kingdom which obviously the Paul, Paul was doing as he was preaching in various parts of Asia Minor and in Jerusalem too and in Israel uh, and the dangers and the difficulties which he came through he was seeking to extend the kingdom, to build churches, to establish churches, to encourage churches. He was right in the middle of the work. Well, we're not already all in the middle of the work like that. But nevertheless, we can still ask the question, are we seeking the kingdom of heaven? Are we seeking it for ourselves? Do we take into uh, to heart what the Lord Jesus says? Uh, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. Thine is the kingdom. Are we mindful of that kingdom? Remember, in this Sermon on the Mount, the Lord Jesus is, is teaching that very prayer to us. Then in verse 19, lay, up not, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And then verse 22, the light of the body is the eye. If thy eye be single... And then again, if thine eye be evil, these two things once again. Uh, verse 24, no man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one, love the other, or else he will hold to the one, despise the other. And this is a continuation, therefore, as he goes on. Therefore, he says, take no thought for your life. The word here is suke, uh, from which we get psychology or psyche. Uh, we get uh, that idea of the soul. But there are two ways that the scripture speaks of the soul. There is the soul as that which goes on after the body dies into heaven. But then also in James it speaks about a person being soulish. That means to say that they are all about this life. That it's all about what is going on upon the earth. And so many are in that way caught up. Even in the service of God, we can be caught up with what's going upon the earth and not have much of a thought about what is going on in the spiritual realm so 
building a church and looking after uh, the people and uh, and how that service goes and all those things what we sing and what the church looks like and all about what the church is uh, and not very much thought about what the spiritual condition of the people are or our own spiritual condition so here the lord is speaking directly to them and he is saying take no thought for your life so he's encapsulating all the people because here is a plural your life uh, and uh, but it's a singular also uh, that it is uh, your life uh, what ye shall eat what not not what thou shalt eat but what ye shall eat so he's speaking to everybody but he is also picking us out individually so he's speaking to a congregation like i'm doing today but the spirit of god is also speaking to individuals in a in a specific way why jesus sometimes says he that hath an ear let him hear because there were lots of people there they all heard what he said but some didn't hear what he said and uh, they might have even been able to repeat it but they didn't really take it to heart so he's saying to the people then take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink nor yet for your soul or, or your body rather uh, sake sark i think that is sarks uh, for your body um the, the sarcophagus is we get that word from the word sarks uh, so it's the it's the carcass what your body that which your flesh is what ye shall put on here's the instruction in take no thought do not be anxious about these things this is the, the word which is used here don't be anxious about it and it's a it's a kind of a soft command so it's not it's not hard and fast and saying do not do this but it is nevertheless a command and he is saying don't take thought don't be anxious don't be anxious uh, so it's a kind of a, a soft way of saying this take no thought for your life secondly we have here under this argument which jesus is bringing because that's what this is after he has spoken about laying up treasures uh, in heaven and the, the light of the body and not serving two masters there is an inquiry and he asks this question is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment so he is speaking about the flesh once again but he is saying is it is the body is there not more to it than that it's not just a matter of feeding the flesh it's not just a matter of clothing the flesh it's not all about the flesh there is a spiritual aspect here as he has already said concerning laying up treasures in heaven for where your treasure is there will your heart be also there is a spiritual aspect the body is not everything the body in uh, in my doctrine jesus might have said it is very little very little importance of course jesus himself goes on to uh, sacrifice his body upon the cross uh, he is beaten and scourged and nailed to a cross and a spear is thrust into his side and his body is cast into a tomb and uh, and he has no concern about that because that which is spiritual continues on and his spirit of course re uh, returned uh, unto god as all of our spirits do and then on the third day took that flesh once again and uh, it was transformed and made like unto his glorious body so an inquiry is given then saying is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment well for for some people even within the church it isn't very much um, came to mind those words from james in chapter 2 and verses 2 and 3 
where James says to uh, the people of Israel, because James, it seems, continued to minister in Jerusalem, he says to those people, For if there come into your assembly a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool, then he is saying, Are ye not partial? Are, are, are ye not judging people on what they wear? Uh, this we could be argued, I suppose, in this day uh, of uh, of what do we come to church in? It used to be people would put on their Sunday best. We'll come back to this thought a little bit uh, later on, but they would put on their Sunday best, and their Sunday best may not be very good. It was all that they could afford, they could afford but it would still be a suit and a tie, uh, and the idea was to come into the house of God respectfully, respect for the Lord, respect for the house of God. And that was the issue, was the respect for the house of God. But even so... There was a difference, wasn't there, amongst the rich and the poor. The poor would sit in those free seats at the back and the rich would have their pews all paid for and they would sit there in their, in their fine clothes uh, in the style of the age and the thought would be uh, very similar to this that James writes and he says, should we be judging people on their outward appearance? Is the, is the life... Uh, more is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment because someone is poor what difference does that make what is their spirit and so this inquiry uh, comes to us what is it that we are focusing on is it upon our souls or is it upon how well we dress over against that if we contrast this idea that was within the church that if someone was dressed well then they should have a good place and if someone was dressed badly and they were poor well they as we'll let them in but we don't want them too close to us here in matthew 22 in verse 12 we think of that that man who came into the wedding feast of the king not having a wedding garment and uh the king says to him, friend, how camest thou in not having a wedding garment? The idea there is that everybody was equal. They all had wore the same. And therefore there was no poor, there was no rich. There was no one could uh, show off their finery in this wedding. Uh, everybody was dressed in the same way. And here is someone who has come in and he doesn't wear that garment. And the question comes to my mind, well, what was he wearing? Had he come in in his rags or... Uh, because if he had, no doubt he would have desired to have a wedding garment because it would have been better than the rags he came, came in. Or did this man come in in his finery? And that suggests to me that that's exactly what he did. He came in in his finery and he wanted to show off uh, his greatness. And so the king says to him, how camest thou in without a wedding garment? Then said the king to his servants, Bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. The life is more than raiment, and the body is more than meat, and the body more than raiment. It is our spirit, and that is what God is looking upon. Man looketh on the outward appearance, God looketh upon the heart. And so here the Lord Jesus is, is taking up this very thought. And he is saying, what is your spiritual condition? Uh, is your spirit dressed in finery? Uh, do you have your riches laid up in heaven? 
Uh, you, you may look good. You may have the latest trainers and the latest style, and you may be able to show off uh, all the very best. But what is your soul like? Because that is the important thing here. Then there's a second inquiry here, uh, uh, which we see, and that is, which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? This is a very strange statement. It's a strange statement because a cubit is a cubit. It's a measurement. It's the measurement from the tip of the finger to the elbow. There's a difference of opinion amongst uh, scholars as to how much that was, whether it was 18 inches, some say 16 inches. There's different, uh, different uh, uh, lengths. But it seems as though the, the, uh, the stature refers to an age. How can you add a cubit to your age? That doesn't seem to make sense, except that in life we do have milestones in life. Uh, it's my birthday tomorrow. That's a milestone. Uh, it was Ben's birthday yesterday, and that was a milestone. It was Jacob's birthday on Tuesday. That's a milestone. And we, we kind of think about how uh, long our lives may be or may not be. And I think that that is what is being said, because the idea here seems to be not a cubit, a cubit, 18 inches. Can anybody add 18 inches to their height? Well, that's a massive amount. And yet Jesus is taking this as sort of being a small amount. And so I think that what is being said here is, can you extend your age by a cubit? Can you extend your age by a tiny little bit? A cubit is not very long. It's just one of those small measurements. Can you extend your age by taking thought? Because you're eating this or you're eating that. Who can, who of you, by being anxious, adds one cubit unto his stature? Well, perhaps there's an illustration here also. And that is in Luke chapter 12 and verse 18. There was a rich man who had so much, he had such an abundance. He said, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then he says, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Fits in perfectly here uh, with this, this thought. You can't add a, 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 another day to the day that you will die for all that you seek to do in this world. And here is a man with much fruits and goods to put in the bigger barns, but he's not going to live any longer. And then it'll all go to somebody else. Solomon makes the same point in the Proverbs what, what, and in Ecclesiastes too. What, what do these things matter? And Jesus is saying this to the people and he's saying it to you and to me. What do these things matter? What matters is your soul. What matters is the condition of your soul. What matters is what you know of me and what you have laid up in heaven and whether I know you. What matters is not how much you have or how big your house is or what kind of car, car you drive or what kind of clothes you wear. That doesn't really matter at all. What matters is your situation before God and these are the things that we are to think about these are the things that if there's going to be an anxiety let's be anxious about that where do I stand with God and then in these inquiries uh, well, in, in, a, in an illustration again really uh, it says behold the fowls of the air 
quite interesting here because it is quite possible that Jesus was actually pointing because he says, behold, he is saying, look, look at the fowls of the air. And this is interesting as well because the word that he uses for air is the word uranos. And uranos means heaven. Behold the fowls of heaven, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly uranios, your heavenly father feedeth them. So there is a kind of an allusion to the fowls of heaven and how that God feeds the fowls of heaven and a kind of a, a sideways glance that if we are the people of heaven and our our treasures are laid up in heaven then our father will feed us too there is another word for air uh, in greek and that is the word air <laughs> it's not spelled quite the same as a and a long e and an r but nevertheless it is the air which is interesting because in First Thessalonians 4 verse 17 we read then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air not in the heavens but in the air and so shall we be ever with the Lord so the Lord Jesus is speaking then and he is saying look at the fowls look at these birds here the birds go and oh, so many people watch the birds and think oh, I'd love to be a bird I've got no cares in the world. We watch the gulls uh, playing on the wind. And these days, once again, we can see the, the red kites uh, quite often around here. And buzzards occasionally uh, we see too. But there's certainly a lot of kites about uh, which we can watch. And they're just playing on the wind uh, and uh, looking for their food. And God is providing it for them. And we think, oh, it be wonderful. Doesn't the psalmist say this? Oh, that I had the wings of a dove. Then would I fly away and be at peace we often look at the birds but the Lord says you look at those you look at those who are actually flying in the heavenly places and does not God provide for them God will provide for us if we're seeking after him secondly then here is this again this thought of anxiety because it's the anxiety which ties us to the earth and stops us getting to the heavenlies it's the earth, I remember it being described in this way once, we're like a, a hot air balloon. And um, well, how do you keep the hot air balloon uh, uh, fixed? And how do you make it go higher and, and bring it down? Well, a hot air balloon, you put the hot air in and it rises, but you have on it bags of the earth. So you have the world tied to it. And if you want to go higher, then you drop the bags of the earth off it. And then you go higher. And so it is with a spiritual life. As we cast away the world so we soar higher into the heavenlies where the birds are and uh, we might know the blessing of god so the lord says concerning anxiety and that's the word here take no thought in verse 34 take no thought for the morrow for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof that is we will be supplied a sufficiency for that day uh, it's no good waiting uh, or, or thinking, what do I need? Uh, what do I need for tomorrow? How am I going to deal with the problems of tomorrow? God will supply the need on the day. We sang together in our second hymn, Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. So God provides day by day. 
Worrying about tomorrow just adds to the burden of today for no reason. Because quite often, uh, usually even, I would, I would suggest from my experience, usually what you're fearing from tomorrow never comes to pass. Well, let's deal with today. And that is not to say that we don't make uh, provision for uh, the day to come. The Lord is not saying, don't do anything. Think about the fowls of the air. It's not that they soar in the air and the, and the food drops into their mouths as they're soaring. They're soaring in the air looking for food. They are watching the ground to see if anything's moving that they can come down and take. Uh, they work hard all day. The early bird catches the worm, as the old saying is. And so it's not that we don't make provisions for tomorrow, but don't have an anxiety. Don't let it control your life. Don't let it control your life. Make sure that you're seeking first the kingdom of God. These things will be provided and the opportunities will be there. But be aware of the opportunities. Don't just let them pass by and say, oh, no, God will do that for me. I don't need to work today. I'll just take a week off. And if I lose my job, that's all right. God will provide for me. That is not what's being said here. But we are not to be anxious. Why take ye thought, verse 28, for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. How often, when we consider the, the arraignment of the, uh, of the lilies of the field, and they are certainly very beautiful when you look at flowers and you see their, their construction, uh, as well as anything else, but also their colors and, uh, and their, their softness and their, uh, their fragrance often and, 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 and all that you take into part, into part. But Jesus here is talking about the lilies of the field. He's talking about wildflowers, really. And remember, this is a Sermon on the Mount. And maybe again, he is pointing to the flowers. Consider these, these, these lilies of the field, these plants, these, the weeds even, and how that they grow. And certainly you all have noticed in this hot, weather when everything's dying off uh, that the weeds seem to thrive uh, we've got weeds in our garden and everything's sort of wilting and dying and but the weeds they're green and they're strong and they're they're uh, growing up and uh, and uh, we have to deal with them a bit like sin isn't it uh, but here uh, the lord says consider them how beautiful they are even solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these Interestingly, it just occurred to me so often. I, I'm not sure that it is true of our congregation here in, in the church this morning, but so often you will see ladies and they'll be dressed in clothes which have flowers on them. And so we're actually looking at the flowers and saying, Flowers are so beautiful. Let me put some on so that I look beautiful too. And yet God provides for all of these flowers, they are arrayed. They are glorious. Wherefore, here's the wherefore in verse 30. If God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? The clothing here, the Lord supplies the need. He doesn't necessarily uh, supply us with uh, uh, rich clothing, which in this day and age is very often more to do with the brand than it is the actual clothing and the quality of it. But he doesn't necessarily supply those things, but we have what we need. We have what we need. And if our desire is to know the Lord, then there's no reason to be as scruffy as we can be. But nevertheless, uh, we can dress and the Lord supplies that need. And that's all we need, really, isn't it? As long as we've got food to eat and we don't die, we don't need to be fat. 
some of us are seeking to lose some weight and we find it very difficult. Certainly the older you get, the harder it becomes. Uh, but this, you don't need to be fat. You just need to be uh, subsistence, really. Uh, and as long as you've got enough to eat, you carry on. There was a lady uh, in a congregation in the past and she didn't eat much more than cake. Very strange thing to eat, but that's what she could eat and other things would make her ill. Uh, so she ate cake and she was, well, she was 90 something. So she was carrying on, eating cake, uh, and she'd have done all right in France, wouldn't she, when, they, uh, when the Queen said, let them eat cake, and she'd have been okay. But the Lord supplies our need, and we'll be okay. Finally, the aspiration. Therefore, take no thought. In verse 31, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, or the nations seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth ye have need of these things. Now, of course, Jesus is speaking to the Jews, so the nations still means the Gentiles here. But, of course, as well, the Lord Jesus knows that the gospel is going out to the whole world. And so for us, because Christianity, because salvation, because being a child of God brings us and makes us a part of the nation of Israel, uh, not physically, but the spiritual Israel, that is Jesus Christ, the Prince with God, who is Israel, and we are members of his body, then the Gentiles would then, would then refer to everybody who is not a Christian. And the world seeks after these things, seeks after clothes, seeks after good food, seeks after good restaurants, and, and seeks after all of these things. And this day and age, it seems... Everybody must be seeking after restaurants because you're going to a town centre and there's practically nothing else in there apart from restaurants and uh, they all seem to be able to survive. So people are going to all of these different places to try this and to try that and to eat this food and that food and uh, they're eating pizzas and go to Wagamama's and uh, all these different places to try different things. And that's what they're interested in doing. What else is there? And clothes, all the clothes shops. Well, these days, not so many clothes shops buy lots of stuff on the internet and people have so many clothes you go into a uh, into a um, second-hand shop these days and there's racks of clothes because people have worn them and they don't want them anymore and you can do quite well certainly in the more affluent parts of the country uh, you can do very well going into clothes shops uh, and buying the clothes which are second-hand and the money going to charity but of course when you think about the money going to charity how much more money would go to charity if the people who had bought the clothes, which were very expensive, are now going for a few pounds, had spent that money on charity rather than on clothes. And of course, the Lord would be considering that first and foremost. But he says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. This should be our aspiration. Not the latest trainers, not the latest clothes, not the latest football kit, but the kingdom of God. Where is our heart? Where is your heart? The Lord says to us, my son, give me thine heart. And so we are to have those aspirations. As an illustration from scripture of the aspirations that we should have, consider Luke 10, verses 41 and 42. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful, anxious, and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Here is an illustration of someone who was taken up with food. 
with ministering, with what she can give to the, to the Lord. And the fact that her sister wasn't helping her and didn't have much of a thought for how, what they were going to eat or what they were going to drink. And the Lord says, but she's seeking that good part. She has chosen the more important thing. She has her heart and her mind upon the spiritual. And who cares about what you eat or what you drink? Your mind is not in the right place. And so here is a good illustration. What our aspiration should be. We should be seeking after the Lord. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts today.